0: Hello, everyone. It's Phil from the Two Red Gringos. Uh, This is starting a little bit different. Normally, you'd hear a music track coming in about this time, but I'm going to start this off with just a little bit of an introduction. So me and Pat uh, came up with a little project called Eight Crazy Years, a gringo review of FSG's time uh, in charge at Liverpool. And we... Put this together. Uh, it was one long night of recording and it went a lot longer than we thought it would. Uh, so we've decided to break these up into episodes. So you're about to hear part one of Eight Crazy Years. And it is going to start off with a little bit of discussion around the international break and Liverpool's potential injury issues coming out of the break. And then we're going to move into the first part of eight crazy years which is defined by 10 11 and 11 and 12 seasons the hodgson and dougleish eras uh under fsg so i hope you guys enjoy this series and uh we had a lot of fun putting it together so let us know what you think follow us at two red gringos on twitter head to two red for any past episodes And be sure to follow us on Instagram as well, 2RayGringos, and uh, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play and let us know what you think. Enjoy the show. to the two right gringos and Phil Baki joined as always by my gringo partner Pat Staley. Pat, how you doing? A little bit better now that I got some Rob Thomas in me. Rob Thomas always starts <laughs> things off right. Um and some uh some of you may be wondering why exactly we're starting with this is how a heart breaks but what what motivated what motivated this recommendation? Oh, I thought you were leading it
1: into
0: no. <laughs> what, answer moment? yourself.
1: No, what, it was it was the the international heartbreak, which we are painfully going through today, which has kind of been a little, you know, we, we've had a little roller coaster of emotions to to quote the other guys, or no ballet ballet of emotions <laughs> in terms of Salah and Van Dyke's injuries kind of not being injuries, and then it turns out like. The starting 11 is just decimated. So <laughs> we have our international heartbreak, thanks to Rob Thomas. Yeah. And also thanks to Jurgen Klopp and the two-ray gringo's very own Phil Baki for giving us this impending doom.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I always get this terrible feeling. And it's, it's really Daniel Sturridge's fault when you, when you get right <laughs> down to it. Um, he 's left me with all this scar tissue uh when it comes to the international break it he couldn 't leave for England duty without coming back with some kind of injury that would leave him out for you know they would say he 'd be out for two weeks and then six months later you still haven 't seen him um, yep. so i uh I have all this scar tissue so i I embodied that in in a meme of the UFC fighter Khabib. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother trying to pronounce his his last name. Uh, it's very Russian, um, <laughs> but he uh, went into the crowd famously. So his victim was was me in the meme. Uh, Khabib was the dread that LFC players will get hurt on international duty, and then the man feebly trying to stop. <laughs> that dread was Jurgen Klopp calling the Nations League the most senseless competition in world football. Um uh, but either way, it it didn't stop uh four LFC regular eleven players from picking up at least minor injuries. Um, but it looks like uh Sala's uh worries me a little bit, but maybe not so much. They said it was a strain and not an actual tear of the muscles, so he might yeah. be all right. Van Dyke had been dealing with this bruised rib injury uh, now for a few games, and it, he may or may not be able to
1: continue. His apparently escalated from a bruised rib to two broken ribs. So uh, wow, that might just be LFC Twitter for you, though. But things just started escalating today, like out, like just out of nowhere, like yeah. Mane with a, a broken hand or something. I don't even know how that happens, right? Who are we missing? Is that is that the uh, uh and then the last was Nabi
0: Keita left yep. uh Guinea's game against Rwanda today with an apparent thigh injury, which was originally reported by a Ghanaian reporter at the at the match uh and yeah. retweeted by Paul Joyce mm. um J- to to yesterday. announce the end of Joyce <laughs> season.
1: It's over. It's over. <laughs> Joyce, I can't do
0: it. I can't do it. Joyce is now Joyce is now right there with uh with our boy Bad News Pierce, um, just constantly breaking hearts like Rob Thomas. And uh <laughs> and so Nabi Keita may face a spell on the sidelines. Uh I saw a couple of things on on Twitter. Uh Nabi Keita did uh sustain a thigh injury like this last year and was out for a little while. Um But it'll be a matter of time, obviously, before Liverpool's doctors can get their hands on him and actually see what the extent of the damage is. Hopefully, Naby is not out too long because, I mean, the last thing we want to see is some kind of halt to to his momentum as he continues to to try to build up into this squad.
1: Well, also, again, I don't know if this is just LFC Twitter exaggerating, but apparently, NABBY, they didn't have a stretcher available, so somebody had to give them a piggyback ride off the pitch. <laughs> so sources unconfirmed, along with Van Dyke's two broken ribs. But oh, God. in case they're true, you heard it from the two-ray Gringos first. And you by did. that, I mean we stole the news, didn't <laughs> give anybody credit for it, questioned it, and then we'll pass it off as our own. You did. You heard
0: it here. So um, before we move on to our, to our normal start, if these players are legitimately out for the weekend uh for Huddersfield what does the starting 11 look like who's coming in for who um Nobby obviously you know hasn't started a a lo- you know loads of matches at the beginning of the season but the other 3 have st- have been ever present so far For Liverpool, especially with two of the front three potentially on the injury list, Uh, what what are we looking at uh, tactically
1: for this weekend? It's really your highs and lows. Do you want to start with the good or the bad? Let's start with the bad. Okay, because it's going to be Adam Lallana. You know he's going (laughs) to like this. Is if ever there was a moment for Adam Lallana to pile drive a a winning goal. This is it. Like, if he doesn't, if he can't stop, yeah, he's come back from injury, whatever. Like, everybody, like, people are dropping like flies. He's making a timely return. We, I, I think Jurgen loves him. Uh, it's whittled down to about maybe 10% of LFC Twitter still love him. So, I don't know. All he has to do is bag a goal, and, he's, and that'll jump back up to being, being the people's champ for Liverpool. But that's the bad, Adam Lallana. The good... <laughs> <laughs> the good is is not necessarily who we will see, but what we will see in the configuration of players forming your favorite midfield shape the, the di- diamond the diamond uh
0: i i if Lalana comes in i don't know that we'll see the diamond
1: um yeah, it'll be some funky four three three
0: i think I think we could potentially um if Lalana is in there, we could potentially see a front three of Sturridge with Firmino pushed out to, to one of the wings, which we, we absolutely hate. here. <laughs> uh, we've hated it for years. Um, basically since Bobby joined the, joined the club. Um, mm-hmm. and, sh- uh, we could see Shakiri on the right of that front three. And then, uh, Lalana certainly could be the the most attacking of a of a, a midfield 3. Uh I would love to see a midfield that is Shakiri in the 10 with Bobby and and Danny in front of him cuz that's just that's
1: tantalizing. Yeah. In, on paper. <laughs> well, what if what if Lalana comes back? One, your day is already soured. Two, <laughs> If he ruins a diamond, a potential diamond shape, I don't not that Adam Milana can come back and and get on get on your good graces, but that that's like the last straw for him where you go into almost like my rage for Skirtle. That will then become your rage for Adam Lallana if he disrupts a potential diamond.
0: It I I have nothing but support for Lalana if he's in the squad at the time. But I will be the first. <laughs> <laughs> I will be the first to uh, to throw the I told you so's around if Lalana doesn't produce. Yeah. Um, I I would I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him. I think that's a good uh, a good call on your part. But um, you know what. Lalana are we going to see? Are we gonna see the Lalana that we've seen for the past, you know, three years consistently? Or are we gonna see the Lalana in that one passage of play against Hull for Southampton, you know, over four years ago?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know. I the problem with the diamond is I just don't know how it takes shape. One with Lalana, because I just don't maybe you stick him in at the ten. But then you've got nowhere to put Shakiri unless you put him outside on the wing, and then it probably becomes too wide. The other issue, though, is that if you've got – ideally you would want like a Fabinho at at the base of it in the six. I don't know if you've got Henderson in the squad. I kind of saw it a little bit when they featured, but I don't know if Hendo's ready to take up just that box-to-box role. Last time I saw him, he just kept drifting back in a – it, it almost became—I don't know—like a four-two-three-one or, or or something like that. So I think maybe the four-two-three-one is a little bit more. I don't know. We'll probably see that given the personnel, but I don't know. And then it just becomes like outside of like with Sturridge and and Firmino, like the the diamond is really the only shape that could work with them. And Shakiri as, as as the head of it in the 10 and the diamond, then it kind of makes sense. But then you would probably need to have the the kind of midfield base of Winaldum and Milner operate in that position a little bit more fluently, and then Fabinho or Hendo in the six. So that's how I see the diamond working. But if Lallana's in the picture, I don't know. I, I think he's probably pushed out... Like somewhere advanced on the left, maybe the right, maybe like right wing. I don't know, but he just fails miserably, at, at either yeah. of those sides.
0: Or, I mean, alternatively, we could see the Brendan Rogers five three, two or three five two, depending on how you look at it. With Trent and maybe Moreno in wing back, in uh-huh. wing back type configurations, and a back three.
1: But yeah, that's a
0: <laughs> no, very Brendan.
1: A very Brendan lineup. <laughs> I guess that depends on Van Dyke on health of Van Dyke's health too. Yeah, whether yeah. But oh, now I've also I heard, heard that Milner
0: is is hurt and out like definitely for this next
1: this next match at least. Is it confirmed? Because LFC Twitter was rejoicing today as if he is a hundred percent healthy and fit.
0: Okay, if he if he's fit, then then. I had just been I, <laughs> we're all over we're all over the place, but you know LFC twitter as a source not not the best, so yeah, yeah. um so that is that's about all the preview we're gonna give huddersfield i think um this is a match Thank that God it's versus huddersfield right this is all we like <laughs> right yeah, I, I will say i mean it's it's a you must get the three points there's no. <laughs> There's yeah. no excuses. I don't care who is playing. Um, it you know, it could be it could be the under
1: twenty ones. We should probably still get a result <laughs> against this Huddersfield team. We'll talk a little bit about some of some of the teams throughout the years right. during the FSG reign. Even any of those teams should beat this Huddersfield <laughs> team. So no excuses. No excuses going Even the most dire of yeah. squads.
0: Um, so, I'm just glad the international heartbreak's over. Yeah. Well, the international break is coming to an end, but uh, during this time, we have hit the eight-year anniversary of Fenway Sports Group taking over Liverpool, and that is what we're here to talk about today. We're going to do a gringo review of mm-hmm. Fenway Sports Group's reign at Liverpool. Um, and in order to to prepare ourselves for that, I think we need to – to pick our poisons because this is not easy to talk about uh (laughs) there's been some some serious ups uh during fsg's reign and i don't want to take anything away from them but there's been some downs and uh i I think to to get through this we'll we'll definitely need our poison so pat what poison is accompanying you on this journey through the through the years
1: you know i'm uh i'm a local guy i like to support the the little people out there so, right now, I have brewed right here in Ciudad Mexico. Ciudad Mexico, I, I guess I should say, is uh, a Heineken. <laughs> so, uh, the official beer of of the Champions uh, League and Formula One. Oh, no, I, I thought you were going to say no, Formula One. F1. F1. The F1 Mexico edition. <laughs> but no, it's kind of, you know. I don't I – don't, I can't use it as an analogy to sum up FSG's reign, but there's – now. there's really nothing positive about it. Why I like it, I have absolutely no idea, but I keep going back to the Heineken. So, but I also have as a backup the uh, Carta Blanca, the original beer of Mexican beers. So, yeah, like I said, keeping it local, <laughs> helping out the little guys.
0: yeah. <laughs> no, definitely the the craft breweries that are Heineken and Cartablanca. Um No, i uh, i i went I went with a theme today, so I mean, it is October and it's mid October, where I think I'm I'm within my rights to start, um, you know, looking forward to the Halloween holiday. God knows the the department stores have been there for about three months now, so. Um, I mean you've had a
1: few weeks to prepare for this, so it's don't don't be bashful about it. Yeah. So, it's well known that we are fans of of the pumpkin ale. Yeah. So I
0: uh my first is is not a pumpkin, but it is uh ooh. it is a stone uh their enjoy by series, um which uh, are ooh, always ooh, dated. Well. This is an enjoy by October thirty first. So it's a um enjoy by ten thirty one IPA, a frighteningly Fresh double IPA, um, mm-hmm. so that's where I'm starting off, and then I'm going a little more, uh, a little more mild. Uh, but I've got the Dogfish Head Pumpkin, which Ooh. is a, a classic. Um, and uh, yeah, pick this, pick this bad boy up at Specs. So um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying, enjoying my choices tonight. I'm going with a very Halloween, Halloween theme here. For I like it.
1: the The pickins are slim here. One, because I hate seeing anything Halloween-based. When you've got the superior Dia de los Muertos, why <laughs> – wh- like, go into the – store. all you see is, like, the, all the Halloween crap. And it's just like, why? You've, like, don't, don't give in towards, towards that aspect of U.S. culture commercialization. Like, I, everybody knows I'm a big fan of commercialization and efficiency, right? You're drinking that, a Heineken. I'm drinking a Heineken, right? <laughs> All that I said about little guys and local is a blatant lie. If you don't know that, maybe if you're turning in for the first time. But that's even too much for me. But it's so hard to find maybe – I think Bohemia produced um, kind of Halloween or Dia de los Muertos themed beer, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'm not finding pumpkin anywhere in any of the, like, the little craft stores that I go to the big supermarkets, anything like that. So I'm, I'm hurting for it, but I'll be, I'll be stateside come Thursday. So I'm going to be on, I'm going to be hunting. (laughs) I, uh, last year in central Texas, there was some kind of pumpkin
0: embargo or drought or something. I I don't know how to describe it. Um, but that fall, no pumpkin beers on offer like in any store. It didn't matter if we went to whole foods like in Austin, um, I mean anywhere we went, any any like craft beer store, you couldn't find a pumpkin beer to save your life. And now I'm um, I've Sounds suspect. I guess I've come out of the desert and uh and I'm back <laughs> back on the pumpkin game. Um but yeah, so so with with that, um we're gonna we're gonna start what I'm what I'm gonna refer to as eight eight crazy years of, mm. of Fenway Sports Group. Um so, to kick it off, let's let's talk. the beginning of 2010. The beginning of the 2010 season uh, is infamous for a lot of reasons among Liverpool fans, uh, but most of all because H- uh, Hicks and Gillette, the ownership group uh, of Liverpool at the time were nursing about a £350 million loan with the Royal Bank of Scotland that they could not pay, uh, and they were called on. So at that time, uh, Liverpool was actually put into a basically a management situation where someone was managing the finances of the club for the club, uh, and they were in danger of going into administration and potentially even being relegated but um as the season wore on and it got into the fall it seemed like Liverpool had a savior in Fenway Sports Group now pat at that time cuz we're all at we you know we're we all have different Liverpool fan journeys so at that time in early 2010 how Ooh. deep in the in the Liverpool game were you cuz I think that affects the outlook kind of on, on this whole process. <laughs> uh, so this whole takeover of Fenway Sports Group uh, where they bought out Hicks and Gillette, um, what, were you experiencing it like as it was going on? Or how, how deep in Liverpool were you at the time?
1: I mean, it's all, it was still probably just before the season before the 2009-2010 is when we started, you know, started regularly attending matches at Globe Pub in Chicago. And that's where it kind of picked up. But that's kind of like the first season, the start of the Hodgson era was, and <laughs> this massive decline of everything involved with the club was my entry point into, you know, Liverpool fandom. And it was, thinking back on it, it's almost, I don't know. It's like the way I, I kind of look at the news now, being in Mexico and seeing shit hit the fan in the U.S. for all these things. Like, you almost still feel like an outsider. Like, you don't have as much invested in it, so you don't know necessarily how bad things are right now under Hodgson. I, I, I think it's true for, for a lot of U.S. fans at the time, too. You also don't understand maybe the balance between the fan base and ownership and how how different that that is in football, and so it was it, it's way 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 way, way too mild to just say it was like a learning experience because for for you for other fans of the club, it was well beyond that, but for me, it was like just like this crash course in all the things that could go wrong and and it helps you to understand the club, but also. I don't know. It, it kind of frames the way that we look at even leading up to success that we've had under Klopp and when we look at this era under FSG, we can't really point to much success. <laughs> and the best of times that we've had often accompany the worst of times too. But it it is a really good indicator of how Liverpool fans feel now and all this shit that's come up about other fan bases saying like, "Oh, Klopp hasn't Klopp hasn't won anything. He hasn't done anything." And I think my kind of journey through being a Liverpool fan kind of encompasses why we love and appreciate Klopp so much at this time. Is because we've had some <laughs> almost a, you know almost a better part of a decade just some dog shit years, and it, it's good to look back on it because whether you're just looking at the squad or different events. Like how far we've come to this point now, but but no, it's like when you look back at Liverpool's history, like this is a this is a dark era (laughs) of (laughs) uh, of a club, right? So it's 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 been it's been a scene, man. I
0: think I think the interesting thing about FSG's tenure is that looking at it from right now, and if you look at your immediate surroundings you know now in 2018 in with a squad that's joint top uh you know one of the best (laughs) defensive pairings in the in the you know premier league uh emerging with with van dyke and gomez it's so easy to see everything through you know off the back of a a champions finalist year it's so easy to see things through kind of rose-colored glasses but obviously the the upside here is that we're trending in the right direction uh under FSG it's just taken a lot longer than i think a lot of people kind of expected um under new ownership and with with involved uh owners even though um they're not you know involved to the level of or you know committed to the level of investment maybe of of a city uh who's just going to pump billions into the club um, of their, yeah. their, extra oil money. But, um, but FSG from the beginning, it, it always seemed like a, a responsible ownership group that was, that was willing to, to put the, put the work in and progress us in the right direction. So I think that's the one thing that we can take away, especially since they've hired Klopp is that the club is going in the correct trajectory and and not (laughs) (laughs) we're not regressing uh because I I can just say that from you know from someone who I I started paying attention in in the mid-2000s but it was you know it was a very casual kind of attention uh you know starting in 05 and kind of going from there but 08-09 was the first season where I really was invested and and was really paying attention like week in and week out and watching every game that I could and like st- whether it was streaming sites and and uh the yeah. Champions League on ES- was on ESPN so streaming all that and and so from the heights of that you know a title race and a uh you know a, a run into the Champions League quarterfinals and like that was kind of the expectation and it and it seemed around you know kind of Liverpool fans at that time that was the expectation and so when 10 11 comes around and benitez <laughs> is out um Which, you know, that was kind of jarring for Liverpool fans, I think, as well, because as a guy who won a European, a European championship, uh, you know, a European Cup, um, that's uh, that's always a little that puts you in rare air. And and so for him to be gone and then for us to take a chance on on this Hodgson guy who had taken Fulham to a Europa League final, um, but that was, (laughs) you know, his highest achievement. Uh, it, it felt immediately like a crisis, uh, and it's hard to forget, or it's, it's easy to forget, uh, I should say that nine weeks into the 2010 season, Liverpool were 18th in the premier league. And that <laughs> and is not a relegation scrap. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that is just, I mean, it's unacceptable thinking even from some of the, from the, from some of the tough years of of FSG, it's far and away. It, we've never been worried about relegation, uh, and that was some that was a real possibility. Nine weeks into yeah. Hodgson's tenure, well, so
1: even even I knew at the time when Hodgson says, "You know, we're not above a relegation scrap." Even I knew. I'm like, "What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> like, are, are you insane? Like, yeah. even I know better than that <laughs> at this point, too." So, it was. I mean, yeah, for our for recent history, for our knowledge, about as as low of a point as you can get, and that's I think was kind of the the high was Doglish coming in, and King Kenny kind of riding the ship right with all of this shit going on at so many levels of the club to have him come in and, and just kind of stabilize it right, and just kind of stabilize like. That's about all you can kind of say for for his reign or, or his comeback um, to managing. But just to bring some kind of defensive balance, like and, like the defense improved. Um, Anfield started picking up and, you know, you start hearing Anfield's a fortress again, like we're kind of hearing now. But it was kind of a, a throwback to that time, too. So it was good. That's what I liked and, and I felt good about it. It was going from Hodgson to Dog Leach was like, okay, this is like – it wasn't great it wasn't exciting football but there was that balance there was this normalcy to it that 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 felt good at the time
0: yeah that's uh so so in 1011 it's october fsg complete complete the takeover and they give hodgson a couple of months um but they they knew a change was necessary um early on Uh, it was just not, it, it wasn't going to work. Um, and so in January, they, they both switch out, they switch out managers. So they bring in Dalglish who the fans were literally singing for, um, during games, uh, particularly, um, in, in a game at home against Wolves, um, in December, the Liverpool fans were chanting dog Leash during the game, and ironic chants of Hodgson for england were <laughs> were being were being sung and then uh and uh home fans were joining in a way supports uh chance of you're getting sacked in the morning um so it was a very dark time yeah uh around the club and and uh and so bringing Dogleish leash in as a fan favorite obviously both as a player and a manager um and then the January transfer window rolls, rolls around and for all the controversy surrounding him Luis Suarez joins the club and it was kind of a sign of of fortunes changing for Liverpool if it took a little bit of time uh for for Luisito to kind of get settled yeah um but from uh so for me Uh, the moment of the season was genuinely, and there's no, there's no way around it, but it's when Hodgson is sacked. That's, (laughs) that's the moment of the season for me. Um, and, but that was quickly followed by, by the worst moment for me, which, uh, is more, more personal. And I, I'm sure like for the club as well, uh, but Torres, Torres leaving the club in January, um because I don't I don't know about you but at the time I had these visions of Torres and Suarez playing alongside each other. Yeah. Uh and it was just it was something that that I think for Liverpool fans to be deprived of that uh is
1: close to criminal. I mean there's always this this kind of yin and yang that exists when we talk about the FSG era. The for one, one of my favorite moments that season was and it's bittersweet now, was Torres just sinking Chelsea with that with the 2-0 win pretty early on, only for him to leave later on, right? We bring yeah. in Suarez, but Torres leaves. So in and, and arguably too, you could say, not just for this season, but maybe if we look at best and worst transfers during the FSG reign, you can look to this January window and you can say, now I don't know if it was the best, but Suarez, the Suarez signing could have been one of the best ones or is one of the best ones that we've made during the FSG era. Absolutely. Also, <laughs> Andy Carroll coming in as a record signing is arguably the worst signing that we've made too. So there's always this balance that seems to exist Anytime that there's good, there's some type of bad following or trailing it. Yeah, um,
0: for for that moat, that is <laughs> the Torres goal is is wrapped up nicely in the in that uh, he departed for the club that he scored that curler against, uh, <laughs> which was heartbreaking in its own right. Obviously, him leaving for Chelsea, especially at that time um when Liverpool and Chelsea's rivalry was kind of at its at its height um in terms of Mourinho being at the t- at the club and, and all that. Um but yeah uh so Torres's goal against Chelsea definitely one of the best. Uh the one the one that I had pegged as the best goal of the season was um Raul Morales at Wolves um late in the season for underdog leash. Or not late in the season but uh just after Doglish uh joined and it was uh clearance that he just hit on the volley first time and it curled into the top corner amazing goal um despite the fact that Marrellish's impact was very brief at Liverpool <laughs> uh he did have some some important goals for the club and that was one uh just an absolute screamer and it was one of yeah. uh it was actually Dolgish's first uh, first league win um, f- a- after he took over. Um,
1: so it was. And uh, now gone on to be like the quintessential, maybe not just in football, but just in general, like hipster, like the ultimate. I don't. I, I'm. I don't want to go so far as to say he ushered in the hipster era. But he's definitely pretty responsible for it too, just in terms of the beard, the hair, the clothing, the tattoos so that's always what I'll remember Murray least for most fondly. Um,
0: so as in terms of the the best player of that of that late season, do you have one player that kind of sticks out um during that, or is it is it just one of those where we tread we treaded water and and we're able to
1: to survive the season. I mean, yeah, going back that far, even credit to you for finding the goals. My my favorite was, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Torres's first or second versus Chelsea, but yeah, no, the, se- the second. <laughs> I mean, even like I want to <laughs> say, you want to say Suarez who did Suarez, Suarez scored in his debut, right? He did against Stoke. So- yeah, but but even that was, and people tend to forget was that he was, you know, he went through this kind of growing pains or early struggles in, in terms of his finishing too with Liverpool. But the bright spots were there. But but yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, it's easy just to point to Gerard and say, <laughs> 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 like, just about almost every season until Suarez kind of took over. It yeah, was, the, uh, it was him leading it. Yeah, absolutely, and and
0: I think so for me it it is Gerrard that season just because to he, he in the past had had these opportunities to leave Liverpool for, you know, better chances at, at trophies and, and perhaps, you know, clubs that would be a little more spend a little more and, and be a little more ambitious. Uh, and he, he hadn't, he'd stuck through, you know, with Liverpool through thick and thin and, uh, to To undergo that kind of tough period and then come back. The crazy thing about this season is that Liverpool finished sixth.
1: Oh yeah, in the
0: <laughs> they in finished, ten eleven, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> they finished sixth. So for all of the crisis, um, making the change in October turned out to be a uh, a good move, and they actually ended up finishing sixth and above Everton. So. Um, not, not the worst season, uh, of the FSG era, honestly, in
1: terms of league position. But still pretty rough when all you have to,
0: <laughs>
1: to hang your hat on is the, <laughs> is right. that we finished above Everton. So it's like a Tottenham, it sounds like a Tottenham thing. To it
0: some. is. Yeah. Uh, it, no, it definitely is. That is some small club, some small club shit. So, um, <laughs> So we move into 11 and 12. So FSG's first season. Um, Was there a transfer this year that stuck out, that kind of stuck out to you in the summer Um, or, uh, or any moments in
1: particular early season? (laughs) I mean, this was bad. Like this, (laughs) even, even fans look back, at Dog Leash and said, you know, he got a raw deal. He got us to uh, uh, what? We got the League Cup this season. We made it to an FA Cup final. Some yeah. some good moments, absolutely. Even though that League Cup win is kind of marred with with the the penalty kick of of one Charlie Adam, right? <laughs> Charlie Adam, <That was>, <laughs> yeah, was which so we discussed we, last week. Uh, we still made it by, yeah. One so of the worst penalties yeah, ever. Taken. But if you look, like these were some horrific horrific signings like you mentioned fsg bringing in some stability and i gotta call bullshit because they came in they signed well first off in that that january how much did they spend maybe 50 60 million pounds on two signings yes which was huge huge sums at the time they spent one the whole, paid off
0: dividends the whole torres sale All went, the torres cash went straight to
1: to suarez and carroll Which isn't, if you just factor in Suarez, and even put Suarez like same price as Torres, solid business, right? Mm -hmm. But when you factor in Andy Carroll, who was my personal worst signing of the FSG era. There's not, I mean, for the
0: amount of money spent, there's not a
1: worse one. No, just, I mean, Benteke, Balotelli... Downing to me is up there, and that brings in for this season when we signed Downing for an unheard of fee. Yeah. Like 20 million at like even Hendo going for what, like 15 15 to 20 mil too? Yeah. Like this was huge money. And I remember at the time thinking, like, oh, you know, Downing, he's young, he's got a few years. He's fucking like 28 years old or whatever (laughs) when we saw like his, that ship had sailed. Like there's no coming back from that. So Downing was like, the ultimate downer, but I think we also got to give, I, I don't want to steal your thunder because you might have one too, but Downing was just such an unbelievable disappointment. The one kind of shining thing throughout all that is that Henderson has become just a, a staple of the club, club captain. So he, be, you know, he made good on that transfer, but everything else is just, well, oh.
0: I, uh, I will say that I had I had a couple of things down for this this year's transfer business. So <laughs> so as far as long term impact, right? Henderson is the best transfer as far as the the money spent versus what we've gotten out of Jordan Henderson. Like he's by far the best piece of business. However, are you saying this year or in the FSG era? I'm saying since they've signed him, Hend- Oh no, I'm saying like. Oh, for this year, yeah. For 11-12, Henderson was the best buy in terms of, uh, you know, long-term impact. Um, However, I think it's important to remember that at the time, Craig Bellamy and Jose Enrique actually had a very positive impact on the squad, uh, like, that year. Um, So not they're definitely not good value over time because we all know what Jose Enrique turned into. And, and Craig Bellamy was obviously, you know, he's a little older. He wasn't really a long-term signing yeah. to begin with. Um, but Enrique is the one I want to talk about because Enrique turned into, you know, a kind of a tragic figure <laughs> at Liverpool. just Just horrific. But when he first joined everyone was raving about how he was performing and he was actually involved in a couple of, in some of the best football that we played.
1: Oh yeah. He, and even though he was signed, what under Benitez, but Johnson, like that fullback pairing for 11, 12, 12, 13, even in, I think even into 13, 14, I want to say too. Uh, Sissoko kind of, kind of,
0: (laughs) Oh, <laughs> came in and, uh, and, and that doesn't, usurped that doesn't count. the job yeah, when Enrique from got injured, Enrique.
1: Yeah. But Enrique and Johnson, I, I can't remember. It was one of our early episodes. But maybe in like the 14-15 year, or uh, I think it was fourteen fifteen when I was advocating to bring Enrique and Johnson <laughs> back because we played some of our best football yeah. whenever they were whenever they were at fullback. Yeah, so These were the um, call at the time though, I should say. So you
0: mentioned you mentioned the the uh oh well we haven't mentioned the actual worst transfer, which was Charlie Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no, Downing Downing is the top for me. Adam's a close second. Uh um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh Downing just for the amount of money spent is is crazy. Um, unbelievable at the time. Now, here's this is maybe fast forwarding a little too far, and maybe I should talk about this um you know what? I'll save this one for 1415 I'll, I'll, I'll weave this in, but I've got a Is couple of things to start at the now.
1: end of the story and go back <laughs> and to the start. You're right. Give a couple character perspectives <laughs> for a bit of dynamism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so,
0: so the, the best moment for me, like 11 and 12, we, we win a, we win a trophy as, as much as the league cup, yeah. you yeah. know, gets, uh, gets crap. The league cup for me, that's, you know that's the top moment. It's kind of hard to to argue with that. Um, but the the next the next one down for me was uh, was uh, Stevie G scoring a hat trick against Everton. Oh yeah that that that's just something to me that's a specifically kind of Liverpool achievement. Um, your captain who is a you know who's from Liverpool like grew up yep. with this rivalry scores a hat trick against, you know, the rivals across the park. Um, and with the added bonus for us Americans, Tim Howard in goal.
1: Oh. <laughs> Cuz screw Tim Howard after <laughs> after his performance against City in 13-14. Yeah. But yeah, I it was it, that what was it Carroll's Carroll's what should have been like the match tying goal. In the FA Cup final against Chelsea,
0: yes, that one that one was pretty
1: heartbreaking. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. In terms of worst moments, um, the one the one for me is uh, a, four no, a four nothing loss to Tottenham away. <laughs> um, that's always rough, and we finished the match with nine men. Our two favorite players <laughs> being sent off: Charlie Adam after twenty eight minutes, receiving a second yellow. That's not a straight red. That's a second yellow in 28 minutes and Martin Skirtle sent off uh it, in the later stages of the game and Liverpool finished with nine men and down four goals uh at White Hart Lane just <laughs> the type of embarrassment that is just tough to handle.
1: I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And I and I got to give credit where credit's due. Was it was it 11-12? When Skirtle was arguably our best player.
0: <laughs> he he didn't may he get get a shout in this season.
1: I, I, I swear either maybe it's ten, eleven, eleven, twelve, one of these some one of the early years under FSG, he might have been, if not player of the season for Liverpool, like the defensive player of the season. But I I think that's a made up award. Made up award <laughs> that I just I just said right now. <laughs>
0: um, no, he uh I mean this was certainly during the time that he became uh basically a, a celebrated player, I'll say, um in 11 in eleven twelve. Um did you have a did you have a, a favorite goal that you remembered from this season or uh or any any particular win um
1: that stood out? I mean same thing like Anytime you can bring home silverware, Lee Cup's always a positive, so that's a high. But I don't know how many goals do we score this season? Not many. I, I'm just I'm just gonna say, gen, like a general blanket statement that I can apply is a Suarez goal. I don't know I don't know which one because he, he wasn't he wasn't bagging them in quite as frequently yet. But no, I not not too many. Like this is still yeah going back to it. Like this is not <laughs> in spite of. This, this is the whole thing. Like, you don't – you can't pull an arsenal and get top four every single season without any any trophies. But the trophies come, as they showed with FA Cup and others. But mm-hmm. a, a League Cup win and an FA Cup final does not make up for the fact that this was – like just not a good, you know, just not not a good season, not a good no. squad, and that dog leash really was not the manager to move forward with. Yeah, and so
0: that was encapsulated in a league season in which we scored. To answer your question, forty-seven goals, <laughs> and allowed forty uh, for a plus-seven goal differential. But the ten draws that we achieved uh, allowed us to finish eighth. Um, and qualify for the Europa League on the back of a League Cup. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, oh, abysmal league season. However, I will say one of the worst moments of the season was accompanied. Again, this is the, the yin and yang, as you said, from FSG. The best goal of the season, hands down, is Sebastian Coates' overhead kick oh, against yeah. GPR. <laughs> However, that was a goal in which we took a two-goal lead with that absolute screamer, and lost three to two. Jabril <laughs> Cisse scoring, scoring for QPR, a former Liverpool player, uh, scoring to to sink oh, the okay. Reds on that particular day. So when you when you have a league season where you surrender a two-goal lead away to QPR, um, yeah, that's
1: just a bad year. There's a lot nothing of, more you can a say lot about of, it. A lot of bad things happen against QPR, at least two. Yeah. And and so you can see,
0: like you said, a lot of people gave stick to FSG for for firing Dogleash because he did he did win a trophy and he got us to another f a cup final. However, that type of league performance is just no. I mean, there's no signs no signs that it's getting better from from forty seven goals for in a in a thirty eight game season that's just
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mo Salah had 42 goals last season like that's (laughs) Mo Salah was single-handedly better
0: than Um, 11-12 Liverpool he would have had a positive goal differential for for Liverpool um, that season alright guys that brings us to the end of part one of eight crazy years a gringo review of fsg's tenure at liverpool let us know what you guys think uh we're on twitter all the time at two ray gringos and go ahead if you enjoyed what you heard like and subscribe uh on itunes and google play leave us a review if you would and uh let us know what you think of the show and let us know what you think of this project. And let us know what moments from FSG's tenure that, that you're reminded of specifically these years. Uh, we want to hear what the 10, 11, and 11, 12 seasons meant to you guys. Um, rough, <laughs> rough couple of years for Liverpool. And certainly ones I'm glad are in the rearview mirror. Um, but a couple of ups and downs like we talked about, the yin and yang. So, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, and we will be back with part two very, very shortly, and uh, with that, I'm Phil Baki. adios.